everyone. Welcome back to our Let's Talk podcast. Joining me today is brand strategist and CEO of Wrapped, Kate Eady, along with Corporate Affairs Director of the NHS Morecambe Bay Hospitals, Phil Woodford. So I'll pass you on to Kate now who will get started. Hello everybody. Thank you for listening in again. Um, just a little introduction to Phil before we speak to Phil, before I start asking him some questions. Um, I've known Phil for about 15 years now, is that right, Phil? Yeah, it is now. Yeah, and we started working together when you were marketing manager at Carlisle College. Seems a long time ago. It does seem a long time ago. Um, Yeah, we've worked together ever since, uh, really. Um, And I point this out quite a lot, but it's so incredibly important. When we started RAPT, which is just over five years ago. Uh, I had another company before it, uh, which I worked with Phil. Um, Phil was our very, very first client. And I mention this every time because I don't think sometimes people realise how important it is. Phil said to us at the time, um, we'll be your first client. And to have that level of trust when somebody trusts you and believes in you gives your confidence a boost. And it, it's made us where we are today. So... Massive thank you, Phil. Thanks for taking your pride in that. It's, uh, yeah, incredibly important. Amazing what you can do over a cup of coffee, isn't it? It is. No bribery was given, by the way. Um, (laughs) So what I want to to ask, obviously, um, Phil works at Mockham Bay NHS. Uh, We all know what's been going on, obviously. Um, So just give us a bit of background, what it's been like the last few months. Yeah, thanks, Kate. Thanks, Katie. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me today. Uh, what's it been like the last couple of few months? Well, in terms of what's different, in some ways, everything's different and nothing's different uh, for us at the hospital. So, so in terms of the world I work in, I'm in communications and corporate affairs. So that's our political communications with our MPs and local authorities. But on top of that, we've got a public in this area of about 360,000 people to communicate with, and we employ around 8,000 people. So there's a lot of people to, to keep in touch with. And with COVID, all that's happened is that's amplified. You know, we've got to keep them in touch with what's going on in the hospitals. We look after three hospitals across, pardon me, the Morecambe Bay area. And so they need to know what's happening. If you, if you don't tell them at the moment, what we've seen is that people fill the void. So the rumour mill starts. And at the very beginning of COVID, that was really difficult. You've also got people's privacy to protect. We don't want to talk about patients that are in our hospitals they deserve an element of uh, of protection, and so that that's quite that's quite difficult trying to maintain people's privacy, but also give the people the public some confidence. So it's it's been a real difficult time. It's been a proud time. I know people are being clapping for the NHS each Thursday, but I've got to be honest. I think the public need a clap. I think what what they've shown throughout all of this, and I know I'm the public as well. But, you know, you, you can't treat them like idiots. You know, the government asked people to stay at home. And they did it. They did it in their tens of thousands and millions. You know, and I think I won't get too political, but I think generally nationally we've underestimated our public and what they'll do when you need them to do something. I don't know if that's the bulldog spirit, you know, Dunkirk or whatever, but I think the public have been fantastic. So every Thursday we've gone on the front door of the NHS and clapped for our public. They've done what we've asked them to do. And yeah, there's exceptions to the rules. You know, we still see some people who we find it uncomfortable to wear a mask and we don't want to. You know, they've got to get over themselves. You know, you can't count for everybody. So at, at work, really, really busy, very positive seeing the team work amongst people, people working flat out. 
as they always do in the NHS, you know, the health service runs on a lot of goodwill. You know, but it's an elastic band. You can only stretch it so far, I man. It's going to snap at some point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and our staff have been really tired, but you know, they keep going. They keep working really hard. And that's not just Morecambe Bay. That's right across the country. I wouldn't underestimate what people are going through. I only wear a face mask to walk down the corridor here, and it's uncomfortable. When you see people on telly and, you know, they're in their face masks and all their PPE gear in a hospital, don't forget, if, if they're going into radiology, they've probably got a lead apron underneath that as well. They really are sweating. They're performing CPR doing that in, in difficult circumstances. So I, I hope people do realise actually how hard everybody is working. But it's a team effort. You know, today we've got full catering staffing. We've still got hundreds and hundreds of patients, 8,000 staff to feed. So it's a real team ethic, keeping everything going, and all those people need to know what's going on. And that's where my team come in. They do a great job communicating with them. It's fantastic. You do forget. I mean, we all, we, like you say, we all work with all claps every Thursday and what have you. But I think it's that um, that wider part from the ambulance service to every single part. Yeah, I like to be honest as I can, as you know, Kate, but embarrassingly, I'll hold my hand up in terms of I've not given great credit to what we've called other key workers in the past. And you sort of realise how much we rely on so many different services. And we talk about the supermarket. I've never envisaged that we wouldn't have bread on the shelves or things would be difficult to get. Communities have really come together. I'm hoping that on the back of this, actually some things that have changed don't change back. You know, they just stay as they are because some of them just just seem like the right thing to do. Yeah. In the first couple of weeks, we still get it now, but in the first couple of weeks, we were getting phone calls at the hospitals from local taxi drivers. You know, business has dried up for them, but they want to give something back. And they say, you know, have you got patients that need transporting for free? We don't want any fare. Have you got food that needs picking up? Medicines taken to people's homes? And I, I am convinced that in outside of these crisis times, this is what people would do if you asked them. And as for their health, they want to work together. You know, the country's right to be proud of the health service. People really do love it. We shouldn't take it for granted. I think working with the communities, we can do so much more. So some, I don't think, I'm not a big fan of the phrase, you know, don't waste a crisis because this isn't the crisis you'd want. You know, it's killed too many people. It's, it's awful. But on the back of it, it has brought out the good in some people. And I'm hoping some good does come out the back of it. And this community spirit, I really do think, is something that could stay. And make a big difference to people. Yeah, you have to have some good out of such bad things. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on a completely different note, um, Phil, talking about communication, then how communication is developing. How of all the good things that you've you've seen and how people have behaved and everything, what do you think is the is, is your concentration at the moment? What are how are you doing things a little bit differently? Because I know you are doing things differently. I know you're you're changing and looking at new ways to communicate. What? Tell me a little bit about that. I know it's it's fascinating. Yeah, I, th- I think what we're trying to do different at the moment is, I'd like to say that we're always open and transparent, but the public sector doesn't have a good record of being open and tra- transparent. What we think is open and transparent isn't the same as what the public think. I've got to be honest, we spend a lot of time at the moment on making sure that what we do is honest and we do it with compassion. You know, we're, we're going to get things wrong. I'm not even talking at the medical end, right through the organisation, everything we do. And I think it's recognising that, being honest about it when we do get it do get it wrong and how we're going to put it right. So for us, we're, we're concentrating a lot on how we speak to people and the tone that we use. 
And something I'd like to see, not just here, but in a lot of places, you know, if you start out academically with marketing or communications, at some point someone's going to throw a book at you and talk to you about values. And, it, and it's all very academic and you know why you've got to have values and what you believe in. But it'd be nice to see actually that we get back to basics with, around values and that they mean something. And uh, we've got a good... We've got a good set of values at the organisation. We have what, what we call a set of behaviours or behaviour standards, which isn't a list of you must and thou shalt not do. But our staff have come up with what they expect us to behave with at work. And so it's quite powerful to me that by the time my colleagues want us all to uh, behave with each other. And uh, you can say we should treat each other like you want to be treated yourself. But unfortunately, there's some people in the world who treat people nastily and I don't want them to, to carry that, that through. So we want to treat people with respect and we want that through to come through in our communication so values is something i'd like to see come stronger in communications i heard a just staying on the subject but going off a little bit i heard a radio advert last week i can't believe i still listen to radio with youtube and everything nowadays but i heard a radio advert and i'll give them a plug and if i've got them wrong I'm, you know, it won't do them any harm i think it was virgin money and the, and the advert it was about it was linked to covid but it was about you know if you've got financial problems come and talk to us. So I thought, oh, here's a plug for a loan. This is great. Get people in more debt. But what they were saying is, we'll give you free financial advice, whether you're a customer or not. And it really stuck with me. You know, I'm a, I haven't got into what their values are, but if it's about helping community and wider people, they really felt to be living it. So I hope it's not clickbait and there's some substance to it. That's what I'd like to see from more brands, but they've been a little bit more honest uh, and giving something back to their communities. And I, and I think time's right at the moment with everything going on for that. It, it, it is, absolutely. And I think not just um, healthcare for the NHS, it's through, through corporate business, which, which is what we do. The, the, it's going back to basics. It's going yeah. back to the core basis of what's your purpose? What are you here for? What, what do you believe in? What is the right thing to do? Um, and I think when you've got those and you remind yourself of those daily, it, it's, it's a starting block, isn't it? It is, it is. And I, I can't help thinking, Kate, uh, that, you know, that, that basics is re that really important for people to really get some understanding. I sometimes think that what we tend to do in marketing tends to be because someone's read the latest blog. You know, these are the 10 things you must do, and that's what they're going to do. But I, I still see really lazy marketing constantly, you know, and I do think it comes back to how people are, people are taught and think there's still this view there's the perfect customer out there, there's this target audience, as we like to say, this segment, and there's a mailing list which is going to suit you, and we can just contact them. <laughs> it don't exist. You know, we're not, not uh, cookie-cutter people, are we? We don't all exist in this little mall. It works fine in a textbook, and that makes it really work nicely, but in real life, it doesn't work out. And the amount of, I can't even put it bluntly, the amount of crap I still get sent to me, either electronically or through the post, you know, and I'm thinking, why are you sending this? I've not drank a whole alcohol in five years, but you keep sending me these beer vouchers. I just find it really lazy. You know, companies need to get amongst their customers and really understand them. You know, it's, I'll, I'll put a nicer analogy. You know, it's like throwing muck at the wall. I won't do one which you're thinking of. And we're just seeing how much sticks. And I just say it's lazy. They need to get smarter. Yeah, it's just one, one, one message for all, it's, it seems yeah. like. There's kind of no excuse. Either right now. there is absolutely no excuse at all, um, and I think it, when I talk about being lazy, I think it's that they want a quick fix. So yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, it's quick results we've got used to, and I don't know if technology is good or that. But if if I went to half a dozen smaller companies, and I'd like to think it's not the same with major corporations, but I, I'll probably be proven wrong. 
and they would advertise them through a marketing director, they wouldn't be interested in strategy or where you know what our vision is, how we're going to get there, and what plans we're going to put in. The immediate things they're going to be talking to me about is advertising, you know, and promotion. It won't be about and how we're going to research and get some insight on the market. Yeah. Who are these people? I just don't believe actually that that's what marketing's still seen as. It's almost moved back to the Mad Men phase. It's it's sad because obviously you know we do uh, research insights behavior and all those things are, are key to what we do, um, and it, without them um, you end up with we've just been talking about something you end up with quick wins, um, but they're not long wins and not something that will actually help grow, sustain your business or whatever you do. Yeah. Um, it, it is just lazy. People want a fix. They see you do something and they think you've clicked your fingers and that email list has come together. Or um, I'm going to click a button once a day and just all my social engagement is going to be there. It doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. It's, it's hard work. But when you do it properly, the results are, are rewarding enough. Do you not agree, Phil? No, I agree. I think I'm quite lucky in terms of my background, uh, and I think you'll relate to this, you know, doing what you do, because you're, you, you're an entrepreneur, Kate. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think coming from a background in sales, when I started out, so it, it was before the, I'll show me age, it was before the age of the internet, it's Rolodex and, and wearing out the shoe leather, knocking on business doors to sell your wares. And you really do need to get to know people and you learn your basics that way. And I do think there's something missing about that. Yeah, almost had an unofficial apprenticeship into the business. It's almost before I decided I was going to take a a technical route and get qualified in a particular discipline. Yeah, it's It's a more fashion thing to say. It it is it is relationships. It's back to proper relationships, genuine relationships, not mean something false. So yeah, that actually means something, and that's when. it works as a in a in a business. It certainly works in a business front. But even from in your position now, and all those thousands and thousands of people you're communicating with, that's when that genuineness, um, as much as you possibly can can project that. Yeah. It's um. It must be incredibly incredibly hard though because you you, you are. Just, how many people did you say that you? 8,000. 8,000 staff, but how yeah. many people? We serve about 360,000 of the population locally. Yeah, that's, that's, and you spread over a wide... It is. It's massive photography, yeah. yeah. And, and it's difficult because it's complex because there's just so many points in a patient's journey, you know, or trying to talk to somebody. And, uh, you know, you, you, can't, uh, you can't plan for how 8,000 people are going to act with a patient. You know, this this isn't a franchise business where we can give everybody an operating model and when someone comes through the door, you know, you're going to greet them like this. You know, you've got to let people be human and be professionals. You know, we treat them to save people's lives, so you've got to allow them to make other decisions around the business as well. We yeah. can't trust them with that. You know, we might as well give up. I remember years ago, well, not that many years ago, but a few years ago, and um, you wanting to do that um, that video of... of to make us all realise how many different people are you connect with. Yeah. I remember, you, you know, you what Phil does, for all of you um, that don't know what Phil does, you go to Phil's office, he has always loads of ideas in his head, absolutely brimming with ideas. Uh, he draws them on a board, 
and you have to interpret that and read back and that's how that's how we've worked isn't it yeah um, you have these uh, these ideas and, and it's always very much about the journey and the journey of the patient how do they feel how do they know what they're doing um and you've always put them first yeah know? i guess i'm lucky in some ways i've been able to learn the hard way kate and uh, i'll go back to my time at carlisle college and i, I remember making looking back it was a big mistake I remember being given some some money. It was a, a sizable amount. You know, it was 100, 200,000 pounds for a new reception area to look after administration for them. And of course, I knew best. And that, that is typical of academia and also of health. You know, we know what the customer needs or we think we do. So new reception area didn't seem difficult. What you're going to need for we're going to need a reception somewhere for people to sit, somewhere comfortable. And being patronising, I generalised. These are these are young adults. These are kids. They're going to want something funky and bright coloured. So that's what I did and that's what I bought. Did it for them. About two months later, after we built this lovely new reception, lovely to me, I go and stand in a classroom full of students, 16, 17-year-olds, introduce myself before they did a class and just explain to them what we'd done and how we'd done it. And the feedback was, oh, we didn't know you had a new reception. You know, just completely over the, over the head. It wasn't important. What, what was important to them is, you just get your class scheduling right. We turn up at a class, there's no tutor. You know, it's down the hall, so we're late already. And it, we, did, we really didn't understand the customer. And so yeah. I, learned a, I learned a harsh lesson. I thought I'd done really good, spending the money wisely, all this nice equipment. It, it did look lovely, but, but to them, that wasn't what mattered to them. Yeah. You know, they're expecting a good education. The canteen in Starbucks meant something to them. And that's no different to health. If you ask people on a survey what matters to them about their local hospital, car parking, food. Clinical expertise and cleanliness is somewhere down the bottom. As it should be, there's some expectations, you know, which I think are reasonable that your hospital is going to treat you well and it's going to be clean. Yeah. I did work with another hospital about five or six years ago and we were looking at complaints. You, know, you talk about understanding your customer. And uh, when you analyse the complaints, including the ones about some of the clinical care, it wasn't about the clinical care. You, you, you dive you dive down on it and you follow the patient's journey. And, it, and some of it's behavioural economics. You know, you realise you just put these hurdles in people's way. So one complaint, the patient turns up in the car park. You don't take debit card. I know this is five or six years ago, but you turn up. It's not cheap. I can't pay. I've got no change. Your letter didn't say bring any change with you. You know, talk about not helping the customer. We don't see them as customers. So they can't pay. They know they're going to get a fine if they're late. They walk into the hospital, then they find their clinic's running late. Not only have they been stressed to come into a cancer clinic, you know, of all things, the clinic's not even running on time. They're worried about getting a parking ticket. They get in to see the doctor, and the doctor was probably fantastic with them, but what they've noticed when they look down is there's something in the office where they're having a consult, which wasn't as clean as it could be, maybe a stain on it. So the letter that comes in for the complaint is, this place is filthy. You know, your people are rude. You spoke to the patient and you realise actually this couldn't have been a more angst time for them if you'd tried and you've done nothing to help them. You know, would it have really been difficult to put in the letter, we'd, you know, please bring change for the car park, this is how much it costs. But uh, we, seeing it through their eyes is really, uh, really important. And I know I like to talk, if you'd, I'll, I'll indulge myself a bit more for your mind, but just whilst we're on about hospitals and patients, something the NHS really plays on a lot, and I'm going to criticise it, is this idea of expert patients. So anybody listening to this won't know, I've been a, I've been a patient for, for a long time, 
as an inpatient, I probably spent about five or six months in a hospital bed uh, thinking I was either going to die or never walk again. And I make it that dramatic because it sort of adds to the impact. But asking me now, five years later, for some suggestions, I'm no expert. You know, I couldn't tell you how it feels for Mary in the bed down the corridor now. Don't ask me. I, what I don't have anymore is the vulnerability of being in a bed and worried about paying the mortgage and am I going to lose my job. And that's when you need to ask me the question, not five years later. But we have a lot of, pe- lot of patients around the country who are now experts telling the NHS, actually, this is how you need to look after patients. And the theory sounds great. Who knows better than the patients? But actually, it's, it's about also getting that customer or that patient in the right part of their journey. If you go and survey someone coming out of A&E who's waited, let's say, six hours, and we know we want to see everybody in four hours, you've gone into A&E really worried. You don't go there with a, you'd like to think, with a runny nose. You've gone there because it's meant to be something life-threatening. I broke my leg. I'm in absolute agony. I come out of there. I'm not dead. I can walk. I'm in a, I'm in a cast. You ask me how the service was. I won't mention four hours. I'm going to tell you it was great. Nurse and doctor was superb. Looked after me. Got a cup of coffee. Look at my leg. Look, they're wonderful, these people. You know, pay them more money. It, it is about what people's expectations are. So it's important as well on this journey for the customer where we ask them the story, which is why I go back to there isn't a perfect customer. People need to get out there with them. So I won't blow my own trumpet. That's why you'll find me on the hospital ward talking to patients. How does it feel? You know, do you know about your food that you, that's coming to you? Do you know what time it's coming? It's the only way of finding out. Surveys, for me, just don't cut it. You know, asking me in a hospital bed how I'm feeling by ticking a box. I want someone to deal with it there and then. And by and large, you know, we get really good feedback from patients. But there are those times. It's actually really simple stuff you could do just to put it right. Mm-hmm. It's it's back to listening and actually hearing. We talk about it's not you, it's not what you think. It's what the customers think. Yeah. It's really not your opinion at all. And I think a lot of people, yeah, you know, get that wrong. They do. They do because they listen, but they don't hear. No. And I talk, I talk a lot about uh, the hospital. That's where I work, but it doesn't just apply to here. You know, we tend to remember those companies that have treated us well, you know, because it does stand out. And I think, I think marketers need to forget about the advertising and promotion and remember actually they're, part, they're responsible for the journey of the customer and all those touch points that they can make a difference on. It is, and it's just, it is remembering, it's remembering. And do you know something, sometimes it's small, we all make mistakes. It, it's human nature. Yeah, it's never going to stop, but it's um, it's small things. So when you're saying, Phil, you know, the fact that they have the money because they know to bring it for parking, little, such small things can make a big difference to whether you're incredibly stressed or saying, you know, you, you're not going to find parking around here. So you plan that there's going to be no parking rather yeah. than getting there, having no money, incredibly stressed, run, and you're in an angst before you even get there. There's, yeah. there's all sorts of tiny little things you can do to make people feel so much better. Um, and I think that's in business and in, yeah. in all. It needs isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't need to cost much money either. No, it's not. It's not about money. It's it's really not. It's just um, it's it's about listening, hearing, communicating, and actually being bothered. Yeah, genuinely being bothered. Um, yeah, really, really interest, interesting. Um, we're gonna have to leave it for today. On another day, I'm gonna get filled back because there's a million things we could chat about. Um, so thank you very much. 
Are you two look after yourself. Keep washing your hands and stay safe. <laughs> oh, Thank you. Phil. Thanks, Phil. Cheers, guys. Bye. Thank you, Phil.